Welcome to Guaranteed Audio, episode 24. That's two dozen episodes, assuming we got the numbering right. I'm Kevin James, joined by my by my glorious compatriots, my oldest friends, the fools that came to my house. Oh, me, Neil Cesariga. And me, Ryan Murphy. Hey, it's me and me. Uh, <laughs> we are. We got together today to record a few podcasts. We have a new movie we're putting out. Hopefully by the time you've heard this, we have a new episode of our Vidnight Society music video, video podcast talk show, all about Will Smith videos. A lot of word videos in that sentence a lot. Uh, that's <laughs> coming out soon, too. And today we're recording an episode of Guaranteed Audio our normal ass podcast where we're just going to riff on a fun subject, which is new England theme parks, exclusively new England theme parks. Yeah. <laughs> people have to listen to p- other people talk about stuff from their home yeah. state uh, that they can never visit. So uh, let's do that. And for any of you all who ever get to, for those of you in new England, you'll probably know what we're talking about. For anybody else who's never visited, these are most of what we're about to describe are things that we would recommend to y'all. But before we get into the interesting part of the show, let's start off with Media Current. Media Media Current is a regular portion of our podcast where we talk about some form of art or entertainment we've experienced recently. It's usually a movie. Sometimes it's like a museum or a book or something. A book? A book, yeah. Uh, Neil, we're going to start with you. It's time for some show and tell anxiety. What's your Media Current this episode? Ah. Let's see. What have I watched recently? I'm just going to look at my letterboxed <laughs> easiest way to do this. I, uh, I I think I posted it on Twitter or something, but I, I found there was a uh, a very nice uh, 35 millimeter scan of the Brave Little Toaster on uh, YouTube. Yes, yes. Really? Uh, and I watched that with uh, with my family, with uh, my daughter, Darcy. And uh, it, it's an ongoing project. Someone's restoring it because that's one of those movies that's kind of like stuck in some sort of rights limbo. It's kind of a Disney movie, but not really. And uh, it's never been released on Blu-ray or anything. Right. So somebody found a, uh, I think it's like a German print. Huh. But I mean, the audio is fine. But like at the beginning of the movie, it shows like the German title for the movie. But there's no other text that's been changed. It came otherwise. out the same year as The Great Chipmunk Adventure. Oh, yes. It reviewed worse. <laughs> Um, I love that movie though. The brave little toaster specifically. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. That's cool. I also watched another, I think 1987 movie called the hidden, which I've been recommending to you two for quite some time. It's a perfect us movie. I'll rewatch it anytime. It's so fun. Um, it's a new line picture, new line cinema, new line cinema, probably their first <laughs> action movie. They're one of their first non horror movies, although it's kind of just a horror movie. It's a sci fi horror action cop movie starring our boy Kyle McLaughlin. Ooh. I love him. We all love him. And he plays a weird FBI agent. <laughs> what uh, a stretch. <laughs> oh, no judging. No. What, what year was this again? 87. This was cool. before. This was something cool. that, uh, you know, uh, what's his face? would have David, David Lynch. Lynch. David Lynch would have seen this and been like, oh, there's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a weatherman. He, like what? He, uh, Kyle McLaughlin is a great boy in this. He's he, His suit doesn't fit well. Oh. He's... <laughs> He's spending the whole movie kind of being like, I'm a human, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he pairs up with, you know, like the a cop on the local force who's chasing after a killer who who dies, and then he's like, well, that's case closed, right? And then 
Kyle's like, no, he has an accomplice, uh, but in, in reality, it's not an accomplice. It's Bigfoot. it's an it's an alien that keeps body hopping. And, oh, sure. And um, of course, tales all this time. Great movie. I I think you guys will love it. It's got the hidden, the hidden. I, I, for some I'm reason, sold. for some reason, it's not a big cult movie. Like it should be on T-shirts and shit. But it's I think the title is too generic. I think that's the problem. Yeah, the, it sounds like a legitimate thriller and not like a fun thriller. <laughs> Yeah, and like the poster makes it look like there's nobody in it, but it's got Kyle in it. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great one. Um, the guy from the Flintstones movie. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Vanderbeek or whatever his yeah, name is, the bad guy. Yeah. Um, all right. How about you, Ryan? Uh, my pick is a strong not recommend. I <laughs> I have like a moth to the flame. Like I just cannot stop burning yourself around, putting your hand up to that uh, top of the oven. I remain, why, oh, why do I keep watching M. Night Shyamalan's productions? <laughs> I just don't know. But I did. But I did because I saw a trailer and I thought, mm, one of these days he's going to dig himself out of that slippery, muddy hole, but he never will. And I watched 2023's The Year of Our Lord, uh, Knock at the Cabin. With Ron Weasley. With Ron, yeah, with Rupert Grint. Oh, that's his uh, new one. That's his newest one. Yep, yeah. Rupert oh, Grint. Isn't, isn't his character from... Medford. Ah, yep. hey. Wow. <laughs> Ryan, how could it be bad? Yeah. Oh, what good questions you have. <laughs> Medford. Detailed. Turns out, well, tell you what, does anyone ever want to see this film, or can I just talk about it? No, I, I'm, a, I'm a vocally outspoken... <laughs> The emperor has no clothes. All right. You, the listener at home, if... Uh, I do not think M. Night Shyamalan is a good filmmaker. He's not. I, I really like Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Signs is a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. The Sixth Sense has Joaquin a lot of Joaquin steals the show in Signs. Yeah, yeah. But I've And ever- I am weirdly okay with The Village. And I think The <laughs> Happening is a fun, bad movie. The Happening is a god-awful movie. It is, but I think it's... It's it, really bad. I think it's funny it's funny i think yeah. this one is worse but that's like okay. having seen both but let me put it this way mortal Kombat annihilation is a bad movie right mm-hmm. like on a technical level it's so bad it's funny to watch uh yeah like the ninjas jump around and if you look at their shoes they're clearly wearing like nikes and stuff mother you're alive mm-hmm. too bad you will die like uh, this is a, yeah. this is supposed to be fun those are that's a bad movie on like a technical level right mm-hmm. the happening is bad in every storytelling way Top to bottom. Like top to bottom. That movie is so unentertaining. It's just laughable because it's so poorly executed. That was the that was the real nail in the coffin to get people to go, oh, M. Night's actually god-awful. Like, there's no more fighting this. Lady in the Water was terrible, but you still had the the defense force of fanboys. Uh, that's like like that's that's the weird thing about M. Night Shyamalan is a lot of what makes his movies bad are is present in his good movies yes. but it just comes off differently for like for, his cameos and stuff in unbreakable <laughs> are fine but then you see his cameos in the village oh he has a cameo don't you worry about that oh yeah. we're checking we're, we're playing m night bingo it's there yeah, baby yeah. have you seen old oh yeah have you seen yep. old no Neil? i haven't seen any of um, he has the a cameo in makes old. you oh he has a cameo in old and it's the exact same cameo is he as like, the village oh is he like the beach custodian yeah did you know that sometimes the beach makes people old i couldn't like, i mean it. every time you mean like jesus I when couldn't. he explains the movie to you at the end mm-hmm. i just pay airplanes not to fly over my village like yeah, i know i know how do you do that with a straight face one Twice. time who keeps giving him money who Disney. keeps giving him money? Anyways, yeah. right, one anyway. time my sandal right. fell off, and then he shows his foot, and it's old. <laughs> it's, oh, I'm looking at my it's old so foot. Old. 
I'm old now. <laughs> his shoe falls off, you see his old foot, and you hear ADR off camera of him going, oh no, my old foot. <laughs> okay, sorry, Ryan. What Knock, was the movie called again? Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the, Knock yeah. at the Cabin is about... The moral of the story. The moral of the story, because I don't care about spoiling this meaningless thing at all. It is not a film. It is a movie with a lowercase m. It turns out it's okay to murder gay people as long as it's what God wants. It is a terrible film. A a, a mean spirited, bizarre nonsense about. All right, why did I watch this? Number one, I keep watching M. Night Shyamalan movies. Uh, don't ask me why. I can't answer your question. Sure. Rupert Grint pulls off a not bad Boston accent, all things considered, knowing that he's an English actor and uh, knowing what a Boston accent is supposed to but sound is it, like. Is it a Medford accent? No. <laughs> no. I have two uncles who've lived in Medford their whole lives. I know what a Medford accent Does sounds he sound like. sound more like a Kennedy? Like uh, He sounds more like a, a, an extra in The Departed. That's fair. He's the first to die, and I don't care about spoiling that at all, because you hear the least of his speaking. He's the first one to die. Almost everyone in this film dies. Um, Dave Bautista is a charismatic stage presence. He's fun to watch. He was fun in Glass Onion. He's fun in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He's he great. is a yeah. good... St- I, don't, I don't think he's a leading man, but he... And I like the fact that this movie almost addresses the fact that as a former pro wrestler, he's huge. It makes no sense. Like, he walks in a room and goes, that man's gigantic. He's ripping out of his shirt. Let's not pretend he doesn't look like Dave Batista. Do you he think, can't walk into a room and people don't notice Is that. he the best ex-wrestler actor He's he's a better performer than Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He can emote. He Dwayne certainly Rock, has a higher emotional range. Dwayne, totally. Dwayne Johnson so, has yeah. a very narrow lane. He's willing to act in, mm-hmm. and it's not his best. <laughs> he, he hasn't. Uh, he he's has, likable as hell. I, I mean, he is likable, but he's in he's in a lot of movies that um still. Mi- that misuse him. I think. Sure, sure. Batista seems a little more willing to be a character actor. Yeah, yes. I, I, he's playing I, I, a character. He's actually doing the best work in this. He's trying to make this work. Yeah, I think he's the best since Goldberg as Santa Claus. Continue, Ryan. <laughs> um, Jonathan Groff is one, one of the two uh, gay guys in a couple with an adopted daughter. Um, you might know him from the new Agent Smith in The Fourth Matrix. He plays uh, King George III in Hamilton. He is very entertaining. He has nothing to work with here, and I feel bad for him. He almost certainly had to do this. I look at his performance here going... You just do it. It probably took like three weeks to shoot this stupid thing. And it might even be, a, again, a contractual obligation. Just, of, just, do, just do a Shyamalan movie so that you can actually knock it off your list. So you get to like have a little more. Oomph. Play, let's play ball. Let's play ball with the studio so you get to do something you actually want to do. Yeah, I, I've always thought that about M. Night movies that sometimes the names they get seem like they're one over because like, well, if I just do this movie and I can film it very quickly because it's usually in like three or four settings. Yeah, yeah. Then I can satisfy my agreement with Warner Brothers or Disney or what have you. Yeah, most of this movie takes place in a cabin. It's a very simple set. It was probably, most of the money probably went to the actors. Didn't go to the script. (laughs) But uh, yeah, my litmus, thank you. As if if giving more money to M. Night Shyamalan will make the script better. Wait, wait, because he did make After Earth. Uh, Jesus Christ. So wait a minute. This is the one, because there was a few movies like this that came out in like, the span of like uh, like five years. This is the one where it's like it's like the end of the world. There's like some sort of cataclysmic yep. thing. Four that happens. people receive prophetic images through their dreams, um, which which is that that's a definition of a crazy person. So four people get visited by Freddy Krueger. Four Freddy Kruegers visit th- uh, man, a man, and the daughter. Yeah, and they go. One of the three of you needs to die, and you need to make the choice. 
Um, and, and the reason they one of them the reason one of the family members has to die is because these four people had a dream. Yep. Great script. Yep. <laughs> and it turns like this is just what God wants. God wants a blood sacrifice and God is real. Like and then a bunch of things that could be coincidences, but they're not. Uh and then it gets to the point of like, oh, airplanes are literally falling out of the sky, giant storm clouds, a virus is spreading within an hour that's wiping out the human race, which doesn't make any sense. It's bad it's a and of course, M. Night Shyamalan is an infomercial host on television going, oh, wow, imagine if something happened, like a happening or what? God, this man, <laughs> this man. So in the end, it turns out God truly does want one of these wonderful people to die. And uh, you need to give this vengeful Old Testament like, oh, it's not our choice that you're gay people, but we definitely, the world will definitely be better. The only way to save it is to kill one of you or your daughter. Garbage. So, Garbage. So, so it's a gay couple and their daughter. Yep. And do they highlight the fact that is it like a coincidence that they're gay or is it specifically God wants you to die because guess it is yeah. is it I'm just saying that's just what God so, told these whack so do jobs they, to do all right so like spoiler town here do they oh, yeah do they kill one of them yeah which one um one of the Jonathan Groff's character opts to uh, kill himself Agent okay Smith. save the world Agent Smith, all right yes. and does that save the world yep uh, just uh God wants blood. <laughs> It is a vengeful, hateful creature, entity, supernatural nonsense. Yeah. And it's real, and it really wants, like, but the only way the world can continue is either your uh, heathen oh, marriage man. needs to be, your abomination needs to be bad, <laughs> bad, 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 shame All right, on so, That's a much better title, heathen right. marriage. <laughs> in, in my, I would watch heathen marriage. <laughs> heathen marriage. <laughs> so my... Um, my film theory. Um, oh yeah, go to town. My film, th- my general film theory is when there's a movie where there is God or the Force or anything, that is not the actual God that we humans uh, talk about and imagine. In a fictional setting, when there's a God, that is a stand-in for the author of the story. Yes. So in this case, the author would be M. Night Shyamalan. Yep. He and wrote. The, did he write this one? Because I know sure he did. Old he didn't. Old was a comic oh, bar manga he adapted and rewrote to put himself into. Um, he made it worse. Yes. Yes. So in this story, I guess the idea is that M Night Shyamalan, the character of the author God M Night Shyamalan, wants to kill someone in this family, uh, purely because he thinks it would make an interesting film. Yes. And, yes. Oh, this will get people talking. Yeah. Um, this is how Facebook works. If you get people mad, they'll interact with each other. Yeah, that's that's what it sounds I don't know. like. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. I, I don't know. Or it, the it really is. I, I don't. I don't think I'm the first person to make this, but oh, it, no. it is one of those. Like, would you rather cut your leg off or like, you know, this is Saw movie. Yeah, it's this is Saw movie. I liked movie. it better. I liked it better when God just wants you to kill some aliens <laughs> with water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kevin, your turn. Oh, media current for me. Um, I got a unique one. My media current is a podcast. Uh. Conan O'Brien, maybe a month ago, recorded a series of podcast episodes where he brought on Dana Carvey, Kevin Nealon, and Robert Smigel to discuss the written but never produced Hans and Franz movie. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. From the early 90s. Oh, the SNL character? That's recurring skit? Oh, good Lord. So when the the SNL movie boom kicked in, you know, around Wayne's World and- Superstar. Well, for that even, like Conehead's era, like oh, earlier okay. 90s. Yes, the 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 explosion of money that somehow produced an It's Pat movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They uh, basically, SNL was looking into making a Hans and Franz movie because it seemed like 
it was never the, funny in I, my I, opinion. I, I'm right? not. Sh- I'm not sure why. My my assumption is, hey, Dana Carvey was in Wayne's World. The Wayne's World movies were very successful, and Dana Carvey is incredibly funny in these. What's the next? best Dana Carvey SNL character. Well, Hans and Franz, I guess. You're not going to make a George Bush movie. But um Oh, please do. They please. made a night at the Roxbury. <laughs> they can see them going, these two are actual like they are movie stars. So this they is, can they can hold a movie. This is like a presidential term or two prior to that. And they went out and they they wrote the script for the movie and it never got made and they get together on this podcast and they read through pretty much the entire script and it's Funny as hell. Oh yeah. Uh, um, they're really. In, yeah, they're okay. in. They're, uh, they get Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey to read in character. Conan reads all like the script notes, and Robert Smigel reads um, most of the other characters. The plot centers around. For those of you at home who don't know who Hans and Franz are, they were '80s SNL characters played by Kevin Nealon and uh, Dana Carvey, who, who were these like public access TV show muscle heads from. Uh, Austria, I guess they were very Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're just yeah, yeah, totally inspired, and they would basically talk crap to their audience about how their audience was all flabby and useless and out of shape, and you'd never actually see them lift weights. Like they were just clearly very insecure about their own bodybuilding, uh, and the movie was going to be about how someone was going around making all the girly men of Earth much fitter including like roger ebert like they would like there was a scene where like roger ebert was like being forced to exercise at gunpoint and stuff and so hans and franz after they lose their tv show go shack up with their cousin arnold schwarzenegger mm-hmm. who agreed to do the movie and um sure he did then then like i guess like when they went to go make the movie he had second thoughts because he had done a comedy at the time that didn't do well i'm pregnant yeah whichever one i think it was last action hero which i think is a fantastic movie Mm -hmm. um but yeah this podcast is just them reading through the script talking about the hurdles of pre-production trying to get like the money secured being told, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just like, you know, a lot of behind the scenes, uh, uh, banter, the kind of stuff I eat up like nobody's business. Um, God, how weird is it? There was such a way you're right. Starting early, like Wayne's world coneheads all the way up to, like I said, superstar Tim Meadows, ladies, man, it's Pat hmm. of man. They made a lot of, mediocre less than four minute ideas into feature length films they yeah. put a lot of we're like the roxbury like i said they made a lot of of snl skits into feature length fil- yeah. thank god we stopped doing that i was always a fan of stork saves his family i <laughs> love, you ever see that one no no but i'm, I'm oh, all okay. ears okay. <laughs> yo you know what's fantastic is mcgruber i yeah, still McGruber. never see i need to i need to see mcgruber McGruber's that, incredibly that, funny. that's that's more of the it's not modern anymore but like that that was like a generation later right sure sure but it was still like a moderately budgeted snl movie yeah you know based off like a character that should never have had its own movie and it's funny as sin mm-hmm. uh, i really like that movie but yeah just look up conan o'brien hans and franz movie on youtube it's 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 pants shittingly funny stuff i, I totally to will i'm surprised and also not that surprised that they're able to make a funny script out of those characters because i never found them funny i think they're just <laughs> bad it's just kind of the same bad arnold schwarzenegger voice that everybody was doing um and i don't know just <laughs> I highly recommend it. Conan O'Brien okay, obviously yeah. like helped write the script too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. More of a Wayne's World guy, I guess. Yeah, it's this is very um, Conan's Mr. Burns 
writing. Like like a lot of it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger bringing Hans and Franz through his mansion basement where he has a super laboratory mm-hmm. where he's making all these experimental inventions with his engineers. <laughs> and it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger going like, how is the new uh, girly man antidote coming along? Like stuff like that. Like it's, it's just off the wall Conan O'Brien, Robert Smigel stuff with... Mm-hmm. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger supposedly being like the basically the star of the movie, like it was a backseat Arnold movie. So, well, yeah, that's um, media current. That's the crap we've been enjoying while you listen to us talk about it. We can recommend two out of three. Not be- and are, are my hard no on Knock at the Cabin might save you all a waste of your time. Such an unconstructive conversation. Just me going, I hate M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember the time. Was I with both of you or just you and Neil? We were walking through the graveyard and I was ranting about how much I don't like M. Night Shyamalan movies. Mm-hmm. And at like the apex of me yelling, I can't stand them. This giant bald eagle flew out of a tree directly oh, yeah. over us. It was ominous. It was, it was like something out of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> what if birds are attacking people? Somebody already made that. <laughs> <laughs> what if the birds turned on us? I'm going to put myself in movies too. Like we know. We know. All right. Well, let's just like. Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to our next segment, which will be us yammering on about local New England theme parks. Yes. It'll be real great. Now we're going to talk about things that aren't technically theme parks, too, but just like anything that you might do over your summer vacation. Amusements, if you will. Yeah, just a loose conversation about things that are near and dear or not so near and dear to us that... um, probably mean nothing to somebody who doesn't live here but i don't know i thought it might be like i said this could be hey if you've never if you've been in new england you should totally check out one of these things if not all of them except this one um (laughs) uh i I wouldn't be surprised if half this stuff is kind of like how millions of folks live in new york greater new york city area and most of them never see the statue of liberty they never go visit it's a fun trip go for it yeah Oh, well, I think I think New England doesn't have anything uh, very unique to the area in terms of parks and, uh, you know, like uh, spots like this. Like, you know, we have obviously more historical stuff that's unique. Like but Plymouth Plantation. But yep. I mean, like or the Mayflower, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, like a place like Canopy Lake Park is there. There are equivalent places in many other states as well. So oh, yeah. Maybe this will but be it's kind near of a, and dear to our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And, I have to say the the commodification of the Disney experience of the Disney parks, the Disney cruise lines, the Disney hotels, Disney, Disney, Disney. It is nice that these little guys like Canopy Lake Park are are surviving. Uh, first of all, have survived the pandemic because they are experiential things. You cannot do them virtually, and when they shut down, they don't have Disney money to like get them through the lean years. It was hard for some of these. The, the, every every venue we're going to talk about, except the bad one, um, <laughs> are ha, have definitely struggled. These are mid sized. They're not small businesses, but they're not mega things. I bet even Six Flags struggled because they're not. You know, Disney isn't just the parks and experiences; oh, yeah. it's everything else. Disney. They were does. five flags for a little while. <laughs> yeah, they sell a flag. <laughs> Thank you. I'm using that button a lot this episode. <laughs> oh, that's good. But so, yeah, let's open with New Hampshire, Salem, New Hampshire's the other Salem, Salem, New Hampshire's Canopy Lake Park. Yeah. So uh, I went to Canopy Lake Park on Friday, which, which is why we're talking about. Yeah, it. we needed a we needed a quick and easy idea for a podcast. So I was, I, um, I went there with um, with uh, my family with well my. Uh, my family that I began, <laughs> my daughter who's five, and my wife and our friend, and uh, we all went b- 
because I realized Canopy Lake Park is like a half hour drive from my house. And in my memory, it was always a really long drive uh, coming from, you know, uh, the South Shore. Uh, but I live up in Somerville now, and that's actually pretty close to the border of New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire, for those who don't know, is... It's 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 kind of like our Mexico, I guess. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, you cross the border for certain, uh, like oh, I'm gonna go get something for cheaper up in New Hampshire. It's like worth a car or fireworks. Fireworks. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who are outside of Massachusetts, fireworks are illegal in the great state of Massachusetts, but are very legal in the state of New Hampshire. New Hampshire. For a little while, there was like uh like uh gray market marijuana up there. You know, it's just yep. like yeah. Um, but also they, they, I probably, because of their, um, tax laws, they, they tend to have like some amusement parks up there and stuff. And, uh, Canopy Lake Park was always, I think a closer drive than Six Flags sure. for yep. us. Cause Six Flags was like Western Mass. Right. Up by Springfield. Yeah. Yes. And that takes a while to get there for us. But I haven't been in probably 25 years or something like that. And I, I struggled to come up with any memories of the place. I just remembered an overwhelming brownness to the place. <laughs> and uh, when I go, do they have a replica of Plymouth Rock there? <laughs> it's kind of that they no, but that would be very on brand. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. on brand for yeah. them. Yeah, I would say if there is a, um, a theme to the theme park, the theme is old ass amusement park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in a pretty charming way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love the place. I, I went there through a child's eyes this, uh, this time. And um, <laughs> I don't know. When I was a kid and we went, I must, I must have been not into going on rides. I don't think I ever enjoyed going on rides. And they don't really have a lot there for you if you're not into getting on the, the kiddie rides. And it is like it is a kid centric amusement park. Teacups and things like tea that. Teacups and um, trampolines. <laughs> I, I didn't see any trampolines this time. Uh, they got a bunch of like arcades. They have a uh, bunch of fake cars. Fake cars. They have two roller coasters at the moment. One of them is wooden. Are they both wooden? No, but they do have one. The so the Yankee Cannonball mm -hmm. is there's actually a bunch of Americana, American Revolution, old New England, Boston. Yes, the uh, Yankee Cannonball is the old wooden roller coaster built in 1930, as I found out, and then moved up there a couple of years after it was built. And the Yankee Cannonball is hang on, did I do that backwards? You mean the Boston Tea Party? Thank you. Yes. The Yankee Cannonball is the roller, the wooden roller coaster. Yeah. The Boston Tea Party, i.e., when you know early revolutionaries threw the tea into Boston Harbor, is the ride that goes up and down and splashes folks in the sidewalk. It's literally one hill. Yep, it's like one you hill. Go, you climb a ladder, <laughs> it goes around a ninety-degree curve, and then you plummet towards some water. Yep, they're, you get kind of wet, but yeah. doesn't your 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 pants are going to get wet, but they'll dry for than a half hour. The rides are all pretty quick. Yep. I, I, uh I, I like that model, actually. I went on a, like, I don't know if it was a busy day or not. It was somewhere right in the middle, I think. So there were some wait times for certain rides and not for others. Um, and I didn't get to go on the roller coasters. I would not go on, which which is the one with, like, the wooden bear coaster. Is that the? Untamed. Untamed. That's not, scary. Yeah, that's I'm a not. Big, that's I'm, a big boy. I'm not doing that one. That one goes 90 degrees straight down, loop-de-loop. -loop. But you did go. 
to the mine of lost souls. Oh, the mine of lost souls. I loved it. Oh, now, man. so the the mine of lost souls is a dark, a spooky dark ride. On it's an st- amazing ride. It is a amazing, um, uh, it's charming, charmingly my, low. My favorite part of the park. Yeah, it is. Down. It is like haunted mansion on, uh, you know, uh, one percent of the budget kind of <laughs> there's a there's an animatronic of an old prospector there, there are outside multiple. the ride that's above the line so while you're waiting in line this old he looks like part of a cuckoo clock <laughs> he comes out and he's like oh looks like you're about to enter the really? man of lost soul <laughs> you know was, some dumb kids walked in there a couple of days ago and no one seen them all right i'm going back home to drink bye <laughs> he wasn't there when i went there unfortunately what? I didn't Did see you this your guy. Money back? Nah, I should have. Um, there's def- there's definitely a part of the attraction that's something the effect of abandon all hope ye who went. Like, there's definitely a, oh, you can't, you're in too deep. You can't turn around now. It's, there's something to that effect. I they guarantee should, it. should really get, if they ever get desperate, a kid to be like, Park, and they need to make some extra money, they should have a kid, a vendor, walk up and down the line selling holy water before you go. <laughs> Like get your holy water here. It's just he's scooping it up from the uh, the water park. Yeah. Twenty he's feet got, away. He's, he's got a ladle. <laughs> he's going over to the Boston Tea Party. Get the dirtiest water you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirtiest. He's got one of those little honeycomb things, and he's flicking it on you. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's uh they the they don't spoil what goes on inside there. They they want you to worry about it, but they do say like, oh, it, there's going to be some grim reapers. Plural. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it, that's the trigger warning. Yeah, so it's it's mining it, and grim reapers. It's a spooky ride where you get in a mine cart for for yep, those who haven't cart. drawn you, that picture in yeah. their mind yet. Like it's an old school scary theme park ride. There's no live actors inside. It's not a walk around haunted haunted uh, attraction, but it is uh, animatronics, lights, water, and spoiler alert: when you get in a little deeper, you find out that uh, there's a bunch of um, mummy's tombs. It turns into ancient Egypt. Yeah, there's ancient Egypt. In Salem, Egypt. New Hampshire. <laughs> uh, so it goes from kind of an old west, uh, you know, gold rush thing to, uh, you know, King Tut's haunted tomb. There's a talking kind of Olmec-esque um, uh, sarcophagus head. There's a mummy. There's also the Grim Reaper. It's a big... <laughs> mixed bag of stuff but it's it's wonderful oh there was like a little like demon goblin guy at one point loved him but there's also um just regular mining accidents like dynamite <laughs> and cave-ins to worry about so it's a i don't know it i we thought it was over quick at one point but then it kept going it was it, i i liked it yeah um <laughs> that's my review i liked it the mine of lost souls Check it, it out. And it's uh, there's actually a story uh, for the ride that's about two boys from Salem, mm-hmm. Billy and Bobby Hollander, uh, and how they got lost in the mine. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I've been on that ride like 10 times. They never came back. Ooh. Which actually, Neil, now that you're... Cause, all right, I have not been to Canby Lake Park in a little while. I went didn't go this summer, went last summer. Um, I like Canby a lot. Um Pros and cons. For pro, I like that it's little kid accessible. There are safe rides, short rides, you know, lo- low impact rides. There's bumper cars for big kids and there's bumper cars for little kids. Exactly. Con, um, the really racist stuff with all the, the Native American First Nation. That, 
I okay that that I think has been reduced to one little tiny boat ride. That I is think correct. They have made it as uh, as inoffensive as that can be. They've I taken guess. yes a lot of the teeth out of that. Uh, it's thank just, God. Yeah, it's just a little like canoe that goes. It's it's like the ride for a baby. You want to send your baby on their first solo ride. You put them yep. on this little boat. They can't possibly drown in this quote unquote river. Uh, you do remind me it. It hasn't been there for several years. I think COVID, actually, I think COVID had nothing to do with this. I think it just got to the point where they couldn't pay some sad, lonely teenager to do this every summer, where there was a, a shooting gallery. There was a shooting gallery over in a, a more old west part of the, yeah, we go from American Revolution to kind of old west prospector town, even though it's in New Hampshire, um, to a bunch of, there's a lot of weird iconography going on, but there was a point where there's a shooting gallery and there was some kid, some high school, college student, dressed up as a cowboy, wearing a mask, and hopefully something under his jeans, and people just paid a couple bucks and shot him with paintball guns. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> he was covered head to toe I, every day. Oh, wow. I, wearing I, the I chaps, saw... wearing the hat, cowboy hat. Good lord. It'd I mean, be funny if, he was, if that was like... a pitifully cheap attraction like it's a dollar fifty <laughs> and you right, get to just like, shoot a man a, mo- a living breathing human target it's a convict work program or something like uh, i didn't see anybody in, i saw the paintball it's not the, it's yeah, not it's a human there. anymore but go my god <laughs> going back a minute i found the legend of the mine of lost souls Oh, let's do it. Read it. All right. So when you're waiting in line, if the animatronic's broken, like it was for Neil, you can read this. All right. Yeah. Hold on. Let's let's, let's set the mood here. Let me uh, me break my mixer. Me, 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 me. Okay. The legend of the mine of lost souls. In early 1891, two boys from Salem, Bobby and Billy Hollander, discovered gold in a cavern by Canopy Lake. Because Canopy Lake was around in 1891. That same summer, the Policy Mining Company was founded. The new mine soon became famous for its boundless riches and beauty. It was a famously beautiful mine. (laughs) Suddenly, in 1895, the two boys disappeared. Many others have disappeared since. (laughs) According to the legend, there are hidden passageways deep in the mine. Some leading to a place from which few escape. A place where souls are captured and trapped by the evil Grim Reaper himself. Enter if you dare, but beware. If you venture too far, you too will be trapped forever in the mine of lost souls. Um, I think it's funny that they... (laughs) Point out that the Grim Reaper is evil in this. <laughs> like, like, isn't the Grim Reaper supposed to be like an impartial, like, fact of life? Like, and then you gotta meet the Reaper. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah, yeah. but in this, no, he's evil. I Death like is it. evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, middle of the day, we, uh, we went to the stage and uh, decided to take in one of the shows at Canopy Lake. And uh, this one was just billed as Critters. So, <laughs> not the Rock Cats. No, no, no. Hamilton didn't say, wasn't in didn't town. say what it was at all. It just said critters. Uh, it, and there was another one afterwards called like Dog Tricks or something. 
<laughs> it's a literal dog and pony show without ponies. <laughs> so our, our thinking was, oh, okay, so it's, they're probably going to have some critters. They're going to have some animals they'll show off, some pretty birds, some yeah, tarantulas. Like a, who the knows? reptile bird person who comes to school. So we, we're great. Yeah, we sat great down. Job. The and, creepy crawly lady. And, and we got this hunch, like, maybe critter, this feels like maybe it's going to be mascots it's gonna be people in costumes and it was so we're just like oh boy here we go but we have a five-year-old this will be perfect for her she she likes you know she met patches well well, we're getting there okay we didn't know anything we don't we don't know like the uh the pantheon of canopy lake characters they they didn't have anybody like uh was goofy there (laughs) no they didn't have characters out in the park walking around doing autographs nothing like that (laughs) Um, but on stage, they did a little um, kind of like Blue's Clues-esque thing where Molly Mouse, I think her name was. Yep, Molly the Mouse. Molly the Mouse comes out and says she's missing her bow. She's embarrassed. But somebody left kind of a scavenger hunt to help find it. So they have to find these puzzle pieces. And the kids shout out things. So they see stuff behind her. A couple kids go up on the stage and help solve riddles and whatnot. And then, um, you know, you meet her friend, uh, Kimba... Yep, King, Kimba, not not Simba the lion, no, Kimba no, no. the kangaroo. Kimba something, Kimba Sue, something like that. And then we're just like, all right, yeah, these characters, they're fine. They're cute. Then the final third character that you meet is the one, the, the mastermind, the puppet master behind the whole scavenger <laughs> hunt, the one who stole the bow just to have a little fun. And out comes Patches, who is clearly like the the big fucking star of Canopy <laughs> the Lake Alvin Park. of Alvin and the oh, Chipmunks. Oh, the- my God. And... We we understood immediately why, because Patches comes out, very cute design, uh, this bear with p- colorful rainbow patches, and just like, almost looks like a big hamster, really, and has like <laughs> a cute little hat, and Patches comes out and talks, and his voice sounds like Marge Simpson, like, <laughs> hi, I'm Patches, and I'm sorry I hid your bow, but I just wanted to have fun, like, it's just kind of a... So is it a kind of voice like anyone could do? Anyone can do, cool. but like, uh, yeah, like, like a, a Mickey Mouse, a, a woman can. doing a scratchy voice, and like, okay. a very cute character, and we were all just taken with Patches, and... Not gonna lie, from an outsider looking in, Patches, uh, you know, a Teddy bear type with like actual patches sewn on has a bit of a five night at freddy's vibe yes <laughs> <laughs> correct correct but uh the kids loved it uh, I, older kids liked patches too i saw a lot of kids just like hooting and hollering for patches it was fun uh and then after the stage show um anyone who wanted to meet and get a picture with the characters was allowed to line up and um you know my, my daughter darcy did so we got a cute picture with the trio and the kid and um, be really funny if they turn people away. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> we I mean, don't do that. <laughs> adults, maybe. Yeah. Um, it was fun. And like while the kids were waiting in line, they asked like trivia questions about Canopy Lake Park. Like, hey, does anybody know what the oldest ride here? And some of the kids knew their knew their shit, which is great. Um, and uh, afterwards, we were like, we got to get a patches stuffy. We got to get a patches uh, Geocities page. Yeah. <laughs> Now, here's where the podcast gets hard because now we have to talk about other parks. That's true. And actually, my final note on Canopy. Oh, sure. The biggest, biggest difference when I went as a child to when I go now as an adult. My the, my biggest takeaway of going in the 90s was the cigarettes and those cigars. It is an outdoor venue and good Lord, have they cleaned it up. Yeah. And much like, because I believe the Disney parks don't allow any smoking anywhere. I don't I don't. There think. is a one little tiny pagoda right. where you can smoke. And, and I saw two people smoking in it. it was very I, I funny. figured there has to be something. Costumes. Because Canopy, <laughs> the, 
Canopy has smoking sections that are designed really well off to the side and downwind. You would think walking by like, oh, that yep, yeah, like up oh, this one part of the park just stinks like cigarettes. But nope, we're not like shaming them off to the side. You can see it. There's yeah, there's at least two of them. And I don't know who figured out the cigarette technician <laughs> that this is a place to put it where you're still in the park. We're not making people feel uncomfortable, but no one else can smell it. And you hop right back into doing what you're going to do. I, you speak the, you know, the word shame reminded me. They do have like um, stockades. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> fake stockades, you know, to take a picture in, which I appreciate. I, I was, uh, as you two know, I was in Japan with Stacy, my girlfriend recently, and there was a surprising amount of smoking, cavities like i don't know places put to the side like in every hotel we went to there would be like a smoking lounge or even like outside in certain restaurants they'd have like these smoking booths near like even some bus stops and they would uh, the ones outdoors would be these like plexiglass enclosures with like fans on the ground and these like kind of like tall filters made out of like cardboard and paper that they must change out like once a month or something. Hmm. And people would just smoke inside these rooms or these boots outside. And I think that's how they would do it. They would force the air in the room through those filters. And it must be, that must be like the cigarette tech way of reducing the stink of cigarette smoke. I wonder how Japan, just like the rest of the world had to deal with COVID and, a lot of you know venues had to switch to outdoor dining, outdoor you know amusements, outdoor venues. Maybe that's just. I wonder if that's a thing that Japan's had for years, or something they just had to cleverly figure out as a result of COVID. I, I went to Japan seven or eight years ago as well, and I do remember smoking being prolific back then. I remember walking into like arcades and pachinko parlors and thinking, "Wow, a lot of cigarette smoke." More um, so than here. More definitely more so than here. And when we went recently, Stacy and I, I, I didn't see nearly as much smoking, but I, it still stood out to me how many set aside spaces there were for smoking. Did um, people live long enough there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> better quality of life in Japan. Well, yeah. Um, what uh, what's I don't know. What other parks are we going to talk about? Because I, I know I'm thinking about like Whale's Tail and Water Country. Okay, I, I think Water Country might be a bit of a franchise, though. I think no, I don't. There might be water countries in other parts of the United con- States. Yeah, I don't, I, in other countries. <laughs> water country. It's water just country, the United France. States. Yeah, water <laughs> no, oh, I, I know the... Um, the United the, Arab Emirates has a water park. The commercial I'm for sure water... better. The commercial for water country is definitely a local legend here. When water the sun con- is blazing and, and the, the summer gets hot, water country is a very cool spot. There's, there's no, no better place to feel or be young. Water country, water country, country my little pony. <laughs> King Richard's Fair. Bump, bump, bump. I'll, I'll see you there. there. Dun, dun, dun. No one listening knows what the hell we're talking about. There was some sort of um local news story recently about how they tracked down the guy who wrote the Water Country jingle and they, they did. They, oh, that's great. Tracked him down. They tracked him down, and instead of giving him royalties, they invited him to, for a free day at the park, and they revealed the new Water Country jingle that is quote unquote a remix. But really, it's just, it's not at all the same song. So they just played it for this poor old bastard and, <laughs> and sent him on his way. There is a water country in Williamsburg, Virginia. Probably unaffiliated. A, maybe unaffiliated. 
But okay, yeah, I'm when, sorry, but changing the water country theme as a local as a, as a lifelong New Englander is like re-releasing scary stories to tell scary stories to tell in the dark with different with yeah. different with uh, different illustrations. Shame on you. Grounds you know, for imprisonment. I I can't imagine it'll last. They'll bring it back. It's 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 too if much. If it ain't like, broke, don't fix it. That theme works. It's a great look, look it up. The water country theme is you'll understand why it's just uh, something that's been stuck in the the heads of Massachusetts people for now for a sidebar decades. to water country because water country is a delightful establishment, yeah. but a not as fun. We're also talking about water parks. We're talking about water parks. I, I've said this many times actually before in my life. I look forward to like a museum of the 20th, 21st century that hundreds of years from now, Starfleet Academy in, in San Francisco, they're going to look and go, in the 2020s, people went to water parks? Like, yeah, they all just kind of were in a, uh, this this soup of human filth <laughs> of overchlorinated. Like, did people get staph infections all the time? Oh, well, so speaking of which, when, until the ride home, when Water Country was too far to drive for uh, for us, you could just go to Water Whiz. Now there, yep, that's my sidebar is oh, Water I Whiz. Even, oh, I forgot about Water Whiz. Now Water Whiz claimed to fame. First of all, you could call your park anything. <laughs> you could yeah, yeah. call it. Uh, just not piss. How about Just, 50% of the title is Wiz? <laughs> W-I-Z-Z. Sorry, sorry, but this is all there is to say about Water Wiz is the name is Water Piss. Basically, <laughs> the name you called some cigar chomping guy and like after got back from World War II and went... I, it, okay, it can't be that old a venue, but let's just say yeah, it's been decades and decades ago. Ah, piss. <laughs> all right, kids, we're going to go to a water park this weekend. Do you want to go to Whale's Tail? Water country or water piss. <laughs> water yes. piss, water piss. The kids have it. Uh, you guys want to like, but yeah, uh, you no, see especially some peeled off band aids. As, oh. as a kid in the 90s, post don't whiz on the electric fence, which introduced us all to the phrase whiz. <laughs> yes. Going to water whiz was a hoot. <laughs> Splash a matastic. I just made that up. I uh, feel like Water Country definitely had the strongest branding because of that damn song. Yes. Uh, Born, it's actually in the town of Born, B O U R N E at the end. Born Falls, Born Park, not piss, Any, anything. <laughs> uh, but Water Wiz's claim to fame, other than being not as good as Water Country, it is the backdrop. <laughs> Sorry, claim. I'm just saying, is that we're third best? But I'm I, imagining like the t shirts or whatever, like the. The mug again, you get afterwards says, take a whiz at take a whiz. water whiz. Yeah, just right. whiz. Um, and again, every venue, every amusement, every park, every establishment, we are pit. We're talking about we are promoting. We do like them, except one, um, which I, I promise I, I will get to. Uh, I'm curious. I don't actually know what. Oh, you'll know when you okay. hear it. <laughs> but Look. it is the backdrop for the film co-starring Academy Award winning actor Sam Rockwell called The Way Way Back. Much of which is filmed on location at Waterwiz. Like oh. I said, ain't no Academy Award winners of Water Country. Just saying, well, what well, didn't? What, I wonder where they filmed Grown Ups because they probably filmed it at the one of the New Hampshire ones. Totally, yeah. Yep. And then one of those assholes probably got an Oscar at some point, right? Adam Sandler won uh, not an Academy Award, but he won the Emmy for Uncut Gems. Um, I just wanted to read a summary from Wikipedia for WaterWiz. For WaterWiz. WaterWiz, touted as Cape Cod's only water park. Sidebar is not on Cape Cod. 
That's yep. starting off with a lie. Is a family-owned water park located in East Wareham, Massachusetts, and attracts about 100,000 visitors oh, yearly. It's, it's Wareham not born. My mistake. This park is not to be confused with WaterWiz in Westerly, Rhode Island, as the two are separately owned. Oh. <laughs> There's another WaterWiz wow. in New England. <laughs> like, not even that far away. Yeah, Rhode Island. For those of you who, like, you know, brush up on your Google Maps, Rhode Island, like New Hampshire, is next to Massachusetts. It must be a thing to, like, you know, like, okay, like 20% of the population is afraid to go to water parks because they're worried about all the piss in the water. <laughs> we might as well just, uh, just, uh, influence them to accept it by putting it in the title or something like that. Waterwiz Rhode Island did close in 2019. Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell. Pre-pandemic. Too much piss. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Rhode Island one, not to be confused with the Massachusetts one. All right, so next on my list is another non-amusement park, but uh, it's a close enough. It's a Renaissance Fair, King Richard's Fair. King in, Richard's Fair. In Carver, right? Yes, yeah, in Carver. Carver. I used to think King Richard's Fair was something every red-blooded American could experience regardless of what state they lived in. But no, it's like kind of just in Carver. No, it's, it's not a franchise. I mean, there's but lots of Renaissance there fairs. There are other Tons. Renaissance fairs. Sure, sure. And King Richard's Fair is probably not one of the better ones. Yeah. But it's ours. And I say Ren- Renaissance Ren Fair, but it's far more medieval themed, if you know it. Yeah. There's a king. You can you can meet the king. You can king meet the Richard. King. They recast him a couple years ago. Because he died, I think. I mean, as kings often do. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, the new guy they got playing King Richard, uh, uh, he can sing. He's <laughs> like a good king. Well, I mean, he's a like the king. I think they. I think they're like we need a king uh, who's a triple threat. We need a king who can uh, pull his weight. A king for the new millennium. I last time I was there, I think last year maybe. Okay, so you may have heard of uh, Jacques the Whipper. Uh, that guy's great. That guy, he's a delight. He's great. Uh, I think he's you know he's probably on TikTok and stuff. He's a hunk. He's a fairy tale prince. He uh, does a, a goofy accent and he does rhythmic whips. Oh yeah, and he'll whip along to songs, and it sounds it sounds like it's not entertaining, but it is. He he can play a crowd <laughs> really great. Yeah. Um, we enjoyed. Uh, oh, by the way, he did at one point do a whip song to uh, the mysterious ticking noise. <laughs> so uh, I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So pay me, Jacques. Um, and he uh, he did his show. And then afterwards, the king himself came up to do some songs or something. And we walked away because we weren't interested. And we were off in a shop. And in the background, we heard, what is this song? It sounds familiar. We hear some some kind of, uh, sounds kind of like swing music or something. We just hear, run fair rumble. Huzzah! It was Zoot Riot, but Ren Fair Rumble. Rumble! Huzzah! Huzzah! And we just thought it was the stupid old king lowering himself to singing a parody of a 1997 swing revival song. I loved it. It was great, but I'm glad I didn't have to sit down for it. I said I could just enjoy it in the background while I shopped for crystals. Um, what are your what are your memories of King Richard's Fair? It being underwhelming, uh, it's, <laughs> expensive. It's becoming more and more of a flea market. Unfortunately, I the last time I went last year, I I was surprised at how high a ratio it was of people selling me stuff. Mm-hmm. It's basically a store with a lot of extremely long lines for food. 
Yes. I, I will say last time I was there, a positive takeaway from there. They've really cleaned up, no pun intended, <laughs> keep talking about piss and things today. They've really cleaned up their act when it comes to access for clean for water. Yeah. Uh, and just, yeah, you, of course there's food, of course there's vendors, of course there's big turkey legs and beer and meat and fun medieval stuff. They're much better about access to water and they're much, much better about bathrooms. The lines of the bathrooms used to be a problem. Yeah. They hired a man to kill the rats. <laughs> now, I, I like the jousting. King, didn't they? I like the costumes. I like the fun things. Like they, they have a, a mud fight. That's another show, not on a stage. Uh, Kevin's absolutely right. There are a lot more vendors than there used to be. And again, I feel bad for people who, if you are an artisan, whatever your field, whether it's jewelry or clothing or weapons or whatever your thing. Yeah. This is an experiential thing. And in the darkest days of COVID, if you depended on like revenue from like the season from like August, September into October, because that's, yeah, I believe it wraps up right around uh, Halloween, right around like the first frost of the season. If you were depending on that and your online store was not nearly as good, um, get a better online store. But no, really, if your, if your livelihood depends on an experiential thing, um, things like King Richard's Fair, they just don't have Disney bucks in the bank to get through the lean years. Uh, jousting. Y yeah, you can order things from vendors online at their own stores, but things like the jousting and, and you know, all the other fun stuff. Jugglers and people yeah. on like stilts and that kind of thing. Now, something else that can't be like, good Lord, something else that King Richard's Fair has cleaned up was there was, and no longer was, past tense was, an exotic animal show by not joe exotic the criminal currently incarcerated not carol baskin uh, also a criminal should be incarcerated who almost certainly killed her husband but the third one the one who doc antle the one who was just in this old bucket of cigarette backwater nonsense of human beings he was somehow took the moral high ground of of course when it comes to these big three tiger king this man was a cult leader. He's still a cult leader. He is also a criminal. He should be behind bars. But Doc Antle made, was the every year brought his uh, extremely unethically bred animals up to Ki King Richard's Fair. <laughs> and yeah. And uh, yeah, ever since Tiger King came out, he's not part of the venue anymore. Hmm. He's nothing but bad press. And they went, nope, we are done with you. I think that made room for Jacques the Whipper. As it should, because that guy seems really cool. Whips are cool. Whips <laughs> are cool. So, uh, I have a question about King Richard. Did they have the Liger? Again, uh, oh, sorry. Yes, there was a Liger. I think, yeah. Uh, perhaps several. Maybe. I, I remember, it was a long time ago, but yeah, I remember seeing the Liger. But yes, one of the three uh, criminals from Tiger King was a regular fixture of King Richard's Fair. Was. What are your stances, Ryan and Neil, on people who show up in cosplay to King Richard's Fair dressed in non-period appropriate attire. Like, say, you know, there are Star people- Star Trek? Yes, Star Trek, Ashram, Army of Darkness, like- What else is there? I mean, I, I know those things. But I mean- Doctor Who. Doctor uh, Who, oh my God. I, <laughs> I saw so many Doctor Whos last time. And I, I was, know one, as I was, a matter of fact. I was minutes away from making fun of them. I was like minutes away from just going like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> I, saw, like I just can't do it. I, what are your thoughts on people who do that at, at Ren Fairs? Like, oh, whatever, have fun. Just don't I won't don't yuck your yum. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I'm stealing that from yeah several people. I like yuck your yum. I won't yuck your yum. Have fun. As long as it's still safe for kids as long as it's still like 
And honestly, there's some things at Cambridge's Fair are a little inappropriate for kids because it's not all for babies. It's, it's a Renaissance Fair. Yeah. Um, they serve alcohol. You know, they have jousting. There's mead. A, yeah. Mead. What a fun <laughs> word. Um, but yeah, you know what? As long as you're not actually like ruining a kid's experience or ruining uh, or making it unsafe for kids, adults can take care of themselves. Yeah, the, the one thing you can't do is dress up as a king and say that you're the king. Yes. Is that a real rule? <laughs> Some knights will kick the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I've never... I, it's at, at pretty most, harmless, like, but it, at, it, the most attention I'd give it is an eye roll again of like, oh, okay, yeah. your medal's in the mail. Wear some ceramic horns and like fairy wings. You know, like just keep it simple. <laughs> there are a lot of costumes you can buy at King Richard's Fair and then exactly. bring them next year. Sure. Um... And they're less uh, gimmicky and more just a, a cool leather tunic or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Another season, if we were to move past King Richard's Fair. Oh, to wait, something. oh wait, we got one more thing to say about King Richard's oh, Fair. You yes. got it. Uh, way back when we worked at uh, Plymouth Rock Studios, which was an up and coming movie studio in Plymouth, Massachusetts, we were employed at the Rock Media Branch, which was like a the actual media production arm of the up and coming studio. And we were asked the to propaganda wing. Yes. We were asked to go solicit work basically from the King Richard's fair people because they, the, the plan was, Hey, uh, we here at rock media could produce a commercial for them. And we've talked to the King Richard's fair team. So why don't you guys go there and brainstorm? So Ryan, Neil and I went to King Richard's fair, walked around for the day and kind of reconvened at the end and talked, okay, uh, What's our commercial going to be? And the best we could come up with was doing a parody of the Water Country commercial <laughs> that uh, ended with the king looking at the camera and singing. And it was going to go instead of Water Country, Water Country, have some fun. It was going to be King Richard's Fair, King Richard's Fair. And then the king would look at the camera and sing, I'll see you there. <laughs> do, do, do. And the three of us still quote that as if it's a thing. <laughs> We never made the commercial. No, obviously. never happened. I, that could not have been a serious idea, right? I think we gave our up. bosses, multiple people above us in the pecking order, were like, "Go do this." They gave oh us the free God. passes. Yeah, that why. is Detroiters level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what? What else could we talk about? I was gonna t- let's do another pitch of a, a, a fun. Yep, like it's Canby Lake Park is open from May to October. It is just doesn't function. It wouldn't be safe or practical to do it in cold, cold New Hampshire winters. King Richard's Fair is a seasonal venue, and so is, and I want to say it's up in Weymouth, but stop me if I'm wrong, Barrett's Haunted Mansion. Abington, Ooh. Massachusetts. It's, it's Abington? Yeah, the cool. town next to Weymouth. Now, uh, what's that in Spooky World? What's the difference? I've never been to either. Barrett's Haunted Mansion is run by the Abington Ale House, I believe, which is like super local. Like... Um, they have this extra building behind the restaurant that they maintain purely to run a haunted house every uh, September, October. And it's awesome. It's awesome. It's very well run. They do charity nights for animal shelters and such. Um, it's great. You know, it's it's super homegrown. Um, one time, one year I went there and um, I did the buried alive thing. They like put me in a casket and covered the casket in like a foot of dirt or something. I did that oh, once. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah it was terrifying. <laughs> um, but uh, Spooky World, I never went to Spooky World. Spooky World is, don't they run that out of like, like Foxborough Stadium or something? Like, where do they do that? I don't know, actually. It's, it's also seasonal. It's another haunt for those of you who use the term. Yeah. Well, yeah, where 
performing actors in costume, scary clowns, werewolves, zombies. Have you been to it? To Spooky World? No. I've been to Bear's Haunted Mansion. Okay. Boston's favorite pizza, Spooky World. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I'm surprised. I I kind of assumed that you guys knew more about Spooky World. We got to check out Spooky World. Well, there's something called Spooky World. I've been hearing about it for my entire fucking life. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, I, I want to talk a little about uh, King's Castle Land. Now, I've never been. T- pitch it. Tell me all about it. Uh, when I was a very small child, we used to occasionally go to a place called King's Castle Land. And you got to look up pictures of this place because this is the most like mid-century fairy tale, like little kid amusement park. Um, uh, just like... It's just mostly statues and like sculptures. Over in Whitman. It was in Whitman and it closed in 1994. Um, So your memories of the joint must be from very early on. Pretty early. Yeah. And um, it was just one of those things. I didn't even realize it closed. I just kind of aged out of it. And then when I was older, I was like, whatever happened to that place? King's Castle Land. And I found it. It was gone. And then I was in uh whitman for whatever reason driving around and i started to notice like statues and like little trains and stuff from king's castle land strewn about the the neighborhood because like people like poached it uh, yeah they poached it and like on the drive to your house kevin there's a uh there was an ice cream the marxies clown yeah there's a route 106 in kingston (laughs) there's a statue of a ice cream cone with a clown face on it like a clown wearing a giant ice cream cone and that was from King's Castle from Land. Whitman, yeah. Yeah, it made it all the way to Kingston. Um, on its own accord. <laughs> hard, hard to describe the aesthetic of this place. but Scary. It's, scary, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> I'll do say, it for you, scary. <laughs> scary, uh, Stephen King shit. Uh, you just, but, but for me, it was uh, charming. They, uh, they had like a giant Paul Bunyan statue. They had like a Humpty Dumpty and like a pumpkin you could go inside of stuff, stuff like in that. the public domain public domain yeah just like mother goose type stuff okay very i i think it's very charming but like yeah eerie spooky uh um i kind of wish it were still standing and abandoned because that would be fun to oh go. we'd go there. there at night we'd go there all the time <laughs> yes <laughs> You guys want to get drunk and walk around King's Castle? <laughs> oh, yeah. That reminds me a lot of uh, Storyland. I don't know up in New Hampshire. Land. Yeah, that's up in Storyland. I went to Storyland when I was a kid. Um, I, remember... I have a pamphlet for it in our car from last time I went to. Uh... Very similar sounding. Yeah, like Humpty Dumpty was there. Like very like I don't know. Like all the same like uncopywritten stuff. Uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer's part, not Santa's Village. Uh, which is another similar theme park. Just I needed a broad theme. Yeah, I think there's places like these all over America. I think it's a very um, like mid mid century Americana thing. Santa's Village sounds like something that they would have built a ton of those back when Christmas was invented. In what the a 50s. kids like yeah. when Christmas Santa. <laughs> um, you know how we kind of invented a lot of Christmas like more recently than you think. Yes. Oh, absolutely. This was also like the heyday of like cheap ass theme parks. And there are a lot of Santa's villages. The economic boom of post-World War II. Exactly. Yeah. They give people a reason to drive here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, give them a reason to build a McDonald's next to it. The interstate system will bring people to our uh, podunk. So, uh, yeah. I got a Santa's village story. Mm-hmm. When I was about four years old. Yeah. About four. I went to Santa's village with my family. Um, probably about seven or eight of us there that day. I got separated from my mom and dad. So I was a four-year-old boy walking around this 
big amusement park alone. Oh, damn. And I walked over to someone I trusted, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, who was an animatronic reindeer, <laughs> just Rudolph's head. It was like you, you would walk up to it. It looked like a barn with the top part of the barn door open so you could see Rudolph from like the chest up, uh, the bust of the deer. Uh, and uh, I walked up to Rudolph and Rudolph's going, hey, how's it going, little boy? Right. And the, the Rudolph was talking to me and it wasn't just repeating sayings. It was someone on the other end of a microphone and speaker system, like talking to me. Yeah. It's right? like the alien thing. And I think you should leave. Uh, yeah. Where there is a guy back yeah. there in a mic set <laughs> talking and but like the mouth, is, the mouth of the was, puppet would like just kind of like generically like flap around as this person talked to microphone. It was like some woman. It's a mechanical Turk type situation. And and, 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 and uh, they were supposed to be like, what's your name? And you'd say like, oh, I'm like so-and-so. And they'd like, well, so-and-so, how old are you? They're supposed to make kids excited because they're yeah. talking to Rudolph. And as a four-year-old kid, like I thought this was Rudolph. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I lost my mom and dad. And Rudolph was like, oh, no, you lost your mom and dad. Well, you should come over to the main gate there. There's someone security who could help you out. They'll find your mom and dad. And then Rudolph literally like rotated and turned their head. It's over here and like moved over, <laughs> like just great. tilted like 20 degrees. And as a kid, I just like followed Rudolph's directions. I went over and I went and said, I lost my mom and dad. My mom and dad were already there waiting for me. Wow. And uh, I distinctly remember this. I was so in hindsight, good job, Santa's village. Like, like, cause I don't know if that was an intentional then you you go back and there's nothing there. There's no Rudolph at all. You just imagined it. Some weird guy with a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean Rudy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy who eats the cans of beans in the back? <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, that, that, that's my one story about Santa's Village. I got lost there. That's so cool. Is, Santa, is Santa's Village still around? Because I believe Storyland's still around. Oh, I think God. I have pamphlets for both of them. Last time we went to cool. uh, Games Game Spot. And again, Santa's Village the, has st- to. Uh, you mean Fun Spot? Fun Spot. Sorry, it has to be seasonal. If not, we go to Christmas all year long. Becomes that episode of King of the Hill where Bildo Tree's Santa costume gets a little dirtier and a little more haggard and a little sadder. Mm. You can't do Christmas all year long. They actually do joyride slides uh, in the summer. Ho ho H two O, the polar paradise in the splash pad. Well, I'm an idiot. So. <laughs> Hey, if it makes money for a local business, good good for you. Yeah. Well, the only other one I can think of. Well, well do you have anything funny to say about Fun Spot? Um, the owners seem like assholes, but I like the <laughs> the current owners or the previous. I owner? maybe it might be the previous ones. Okay. The the guy, they they're entangled in the whole Billy M- Mitchell thing and all that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a cool arcade. Um, I um the people, I might edit that what I just said out. Um, <laughs> I like Fun Spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's a spot. No, uh, they they um they got go karts across the street. Um, one year I went to the Penny Arcade Expo in Boston, the uh, Penny, Pax East, and uh, they had set up this giant arcade on one floor. And I walked in, and they had a copy of the real Ghostbusters arcade game, which is like this like four player game. You play as one of the cartoon Ghostbusters, and I played it with some of my buddies for a while. And this old man walked up to me and he goes like, "Are you a big fan of that game? I can tell you're wicked excited to be playing it." And I go, "Oh yeah, I used to go to Fun Spot every summer with my family. We'd go up to New Hampshire, and you know, this is the first and last game I'd play every time. I love this game." And the old guy goes, "Oh, this is my copy of the game, and it's usually up at Fun Spot. This is the exact 
arcade cabinet you played as a kid because so cool. i've been maintaining oh, yeah. it for like 30 years i'm like oh that's awesome like <laughs> I, I drove it down in a u-haul this week he said like this is my machine that is cool that is cool fun spots fun spots uh interesting a uh, wide variety of arcade games a whole floor of pinball machines and stuff like that is it now the world's largest arcade that's how they they advertise themselves as the world's largest arcade Probably just floor space wise. I mean, not all of it is arcade because they have a little bowling alley. They have um, mini golf inside. There. Water gun games. Yeah. And, and again, a- are, are they technically in Medford? Is that where? Medford? No, they're. They, I, um, you're thinking of the place that closed uh, in yes, Somerville. I, yes, I am. Uh, I'm blanking on the name. Um, this is Fun the- Spots in Laconia. Laconia, New oh, Hampshire. Yeah, up there. Okay, it's a bit of a drive. Yeah, but you know the the joint I was talking about, which was Somerville, not yeah. Right. What was that place called? Uh, arcade, something Emporium, probably. <laughs> Mister Bagorium's Wonder Emporium. That's it was it. a huge arcade and with pinball machines and electric consoles. Yeah, yeah it, I think it closed before I moved to Somerville. Sadly, so hmm. I, I I went there once for I think Julie's birthday or something. <laughs> but I. I, having been to Japan recently and walking into a lot of arcades, mm-hmm. Japan used to be like the world capital for arcades, but the ones Stacy and I went to were ex Sega arcades now currently owned by a bunch of different companies. Some of them were owned by Namco. I actually, I think they were, they were fun, but just not nowhere near the same scale. Even the ones that were like five, six stories of games, paltry compared to fun spot fun spot is it is a sight to behold it's pretty packed yeah i i it it bums me out that like the state of arcades is such that we have to drive up to new hampshire to like to see a lot of vintage stuff there is a 4k in um uh in central square yeah have have you been there the speakeasy in the freezer yeah it's like the front oh yeah the, the front is a uh grilled cheese sandwich shop yeah <laughs> and then you go through like what looks like the kitchen doors and you're in a barcade and it's very loud but it's it's fun they yeah. got some good stuff there they got my my favorite uh modern game which is four player pac-man hell yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, oh you know what you know what arcade game stacy and i played in japan that was in a few places it was like a um uh a sit down uh what what is it um when it's a uh like a cocktail cabinet when like two people can sit down and look down at the arcade game is that what it's called? A cocktail? Like air, like air hockey, that kind, type of kind setup. Of. Well, it's like, it, but it was, it, it was pong, right? Um, and we'd sit across from each other. And the way it worked is the actual like paddles in the ball for pong were physical, like white pieces of like foam, like, like white cardboard and foam in the machine connected to magnets. So when you would like control the paddles, it would physically move the paddles on the table as you can mechanical it. pong yeah yeah mechanical pong but it was like made clearly in like the last five years it, it was cool as hell huh. like to actually see like a physical thing bouncing around the table and i know it just sounds like air hockey right <laughs> but it's like being controlled by like a digital pong game logic under the top of the table mm-hmm. and there's like a magnet moving everything around it's, it's hard to i hope i'm illustrating it well no i'm getting it. it's cool as hell it was, was there a little bit of like a vibrant like a rumble pack in your controller if you will of like when you hit boom, the boom, yeah when you boom, you felt yeah. something when it hit the fake ball yeah it was cool, cool. yeah uh, all right. Well, I, I think that's I think that's about it. We're not well. As I, we're not I did, exactly rich in. We're no, we're no Orlando. I'll say. I mean, you much. could go. I mean, there's um the Shoba Ski Valley runs a uh, like a haunted hayride thing. Ooh, we know. went to that. That was awesome. That was really fun. I used to work in the Shoba Ski Valley when I was in college, and I never got to do the haunted house stuff. I never got to work the haunted house stuff, but I've gone to the haunted house. Right? Yeah. Ryan and I went 
seven years ago, six years ago. So before COVID. So it's a, been a while. It was a lot of fun. Um, that's a good one. Um, the Shubisky Valley's haunted hayride stuff. Well, I I did pitch the beginning of the segment before we move on to your questions, our dearly beloved uh, patrons and the rest of you freeloaders, that uh, we, we want small businesses to succeed. We want mid-level businesses to succeed. We want folks who maybe don't have that Disney Six Flags Universal. We're fans of the little guy, yeah. especially while the big guys are having big strikes right now because little guys are getting screwed. Um, yeah, we like our Canby Lake Parks. We like our Barrett's Haunted Mansion. We mm. like our water country. We even like our Water Whiz, a little soft spot, <laughs> a warm spot, <laughs> more like a warm spot for Water Whiz. <laughs> Thank you. Ryan pointed to me for that. <laughs> but no one, and I mean no one, is going to lose their job if I have nothing good to say about Plymouth Rock. Good Lord, when you visit the oh, stupid, the worst theme. stupid rock. It is an event. It is an attraction. It is among the top 10 most disappointing landmarks in these United States of America. The number one dis- most disappointed, I believe, at the moment remains actually Statue of Liberty. Everyone thinks it's bigger. But Plymouth oh, really? Rock. I love the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that, I think it's really good. Trip. really cool. I yeah. think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number, one, amuse- number one attraction in these great United States of America remains the Grand Canyon. And I completely understand that. Yeah. Probably will never get beat. But Someone Plymouth should Rock- take Plymouth Rock and huck it in the Grand <laughs> Canyon. It Where's there? the Hulk? <laughs> No, I kind of like Plymouth Rock for that reason because it is disappointing. Once you, I mean, like, <laughs> if you travel to Plymouth specifically to see the rock, that's on you. That's your fault. You could have Googled that thing. It's very. It's I mean, been who documented. gives a shit? It's a fucking rock, <laughs> and it's not the real rock. It it's probably never real was a rock. real rock. It's old. They lied a long time ago. <laughs> Remember that guy we knew, David who uh, jumped down into the Plymouth Rock pit and spray painted on the rock made in China <laughs> or made in Taiwan. I'm sure he's Thai. not the first and or he, last to do and that. And then he couldn't get out of the pit, so <laughs> no, he got arrested. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> he, now, for those of you who don't live in the great state of Massachusetts. The great state. Commonwealth. Um, Plymouth, the town of Plymouth, invested very, very heavily in the 2020 celebrations that would have marked in the in the year 2020, where something else happened, um, they were invested very heavily, their court street, which is like their main street, in their, the, they were going to do things with Plymouth Plantation, Plymouth Pawtuxet. Um, they were going to have all the restaurants and festivals and things. And what was supposed to be the 400th anniversary, 1620 to 2020, turned into absolutely nothing. And all the stores were closed and curbside pickup and all the darkest days of COVID. And it really, really hurt that town. Hmm. However, The Rock is still a stupid piece of shit that I don't care about. It's never, it's not real. It's so goddamn stupid. There's there's a lot of other really fun things, a lot of good restaurants and businesses that I will 100% support. The Rock is the perfect attraction. It requires no maintenance. Yep. It requires no sick days. It doesn't know pity or remorse or fear. There's like one or two park rangers who are <laughs> not going to no. lose their job if I'm shitting on it. Far let me let me paint it. the picture because I, I I think the humor. Oh, of, go for it. I think the humor of the rock needs to be described. It's a big like. If you've never seen a rock, <laughs> no, 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 no. Forget the rock for a second. The container for the rock, it's like from. It's like Lincoln's grave. I you know, think from, it's the most important thing to ever happen. From, 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 like right, from like Hercules. Yeah, from street level, there's this co- like uh, uh, concrete pagoda with columns. And, uh, yeah, and it's you walk up to it, parapet. but there's nothing at street level. You have to peer down into a pit that is encircled by maybe. this. 
and you look down uh, and it's like it's not even 10 feet it's like seven feet it's like looking it's right. like looking down into a, a sewer or something and there's just this little rock sitting on some sand and it's cracked and there's a big it's like clearly been cracked in half yeah. there's concrete holding it together <laughs> Uh, get a new goddamn and, and we all know yeah somewhere in like the 19th century post post civil war they made up a rock and sometimes there's trash down there because yeah. you can just throw trash how, down there did you how long when you were a kid you, you thought you know for a moment in time that 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 was the rock that they yeah, hit i, I totally so. thought it till i was like seven years old i'm like well that's the rock the pilgrims hit we also thought the statue of massasoit was squanto so and yeah. that the mayflower too was the actual mayflower oh, yeah. i believed all that stuff till i was like eight years alive <laughs> and they was like oh this is all fake <laughs> it's all well, fake we need to answer some uh some questions it'll be real great so uh let's see i i have the questions up here on my phone our lovely patrons uh have uh, hit us with the following you can only ask questions for the podcast over at guaranteedvideo.com that's where we solicit for questions every time we do a podcast episode. And these are the questions we have been solicited with. All right. I'm just going to read them. I, I scanned them briefly. They look good to me. So. No swears. No swears. Uh, Darius, a.k.a. Turquoise Pineapple, asks, as a person who doesn't watch a lot of movies but is very interested by you guys' opinions about movies. You shouldn't be. Uh, how can you tell that a movie is bad? <laughs> Acting, production, budget, composition? That's a good question. If M. Night Shyamalan directed it, it's probably not. It's probably bad. I'm thinking about that question, and I I think a lot of the time it is a gut thing because we we like a lot of movies that are bad because they are bad in the right way. Sure. Um, Bad is a very broad term. It is, yeah. Sometimes there have been movies that, to go with the gut instinct thing you're talking about, Neil, where you could defend like a million merits of it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of like, I think this is why there are diehard Zack Snyder stands on the internet where they'll be like, yeah, like you, you, you're just haters. This movie like has incredible acting or cinematography, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The effects in movie XYZ might be good. And like the music might be incredible, but on the whole, the soul of this movie, the direction, the story misses the point, which was blah. Um, I, I think a common thing I decry in movies, because I, I think it's very hard to specify what makes a movie good or bad. Right. Um, to Neil's point, I love a lot of movies that most people would say are crap and vice versa. There's a lot of like prestigious movies I think aren't that interesting, but, um, I I think that the thing that triggers me most these days into not liking a movie is just the sentiment of, um, a movie not taking any risks or having any rough edges or fingerprints. Like I, I don't like turnkey movies that feel like they came out of a rock tumbler of writing experiences. <laughs> I think, I think you, um, I think you despise movies that speak to a broader disappointing trend in movies. And that's why you hate Marvel movies that have the same flaws as every other Marvel movie. Sure. Um, stuff that reminds you of the type of movies that they don't make anymore. I think. Yeah. Um, or it's like, it's like, it's like, okay. Like the M night rant I went on earlier was a bit about like, this is a repeat offense. Like this person keeps making movies and being given the resources to make movies. And that, that sets me off. Not, it's not like a, um, a jealousy thing as someone who makes no, but movies. It's a, it's a contextual thing. Like, that's... why is this sin being repeated? Like, and I, yeah. and you know, and I, I, I do get frustrated by that. Um, but I, I haven't had, I haven't sat through a movie in recent memory that really ticked me off. You know, like even like mediocre movies I watch, I kind of know I'm going to watch something that doesn't blow me away. Yeah, I I think um, 
there are bad movies and there are also boring movies. Sometimes they're both. But a bad movie, if it's not boring, is a good movie. How about you, Ryan? Do you have any? Uh, well, he's first of all, he's asked good questions. What's his name again? Uh, Darius? Darius? Darius. Yeah. Something turquoise? Turquoise pineapple. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a complicated question with a lot of moving intersecting parts. The first thing I thought about was the kinds of movies that I like, that, en- that I enjoy consuming, whether they're heartfelt, because heart is a big factor. I think about how much heart is in the first Jurassic Park film. Yeah. And by the sixth Jurassic film, it's not only, um, hey, remember me? It's absolutely no heart. There has there are actually more Jurassic films with no heart than there are having heart. Anyway, next question. Good yeah. question. Yeah, Thanks, good yeah. question. Uh, Lee McNally says, uh, it's September, which in my mind means it's autumn now. Yeah. Do you guys what? have a fav- uh, any favorite fall specific traditions, et cetera, you're looking forward to? Gotta love that Halloween vibe coming up soon. Oh, all the haunted house stuff like Barrett's or going up to Neshoba Ski Valley's haunted house place, of Ooh. course. Yeah, I, I want to do something like that. I've never done stuff I, like that, I'm really. Big on getting apple cider wherever I can. I'll definitely go to a yeah apple picking with, uh, with the kids. Oh, hell yeah. There's a lot of good apple orchards in New England. Uh, an interesting two things that come is we one two three we are halloween fans everyone here halloween is among if it's not your favorite holiday it's certainly up there on the tippity tippity top the holiest so every year on november 1st uh as a long time customer and one time employee of spirit halloween let me tell you something the day after halloween november 1st it's use it or lose it baby it is cheaper to sell halloween stuff at slashed prices than to pay folks like me um, to box it up for next year. Because, um, by the way, Spirit Halloween's parent company is Spencer's Gifts. Spirit, again, a seasonal thing, does have, like, you know, a whole business model and warehouses. Like, yeah, they do put that stuff in some big Indiana Jones factory or warehouse somewhere and save it for next Halloween. But a tradition of mine is going the day after Halloween because good stuff cheap. And uh, another tradition that I've actually done for years and years is rounding up all the pumpkins around when pumpkin season or within a week or two after um, Halloween's over and our jack-o'-lanterns are getting a little full of flies and bugs and, you know, they're sad and squishy. Full of flies. I am a resident of Cape Cod, meaning that you go north, south, east, or west, and you're eventually going to hit a beach. And we take the pumpkins and we throw them in the ocean. They are biodegradable. They make for very interesting photo ops. Throw them pumpkins in the ocean. That's a very distinct thing. Mm-hmm. Return <laughs> to the sea. I thought mine was kind of generic. Oh, you know me. I like to get cider. And you're like, I like to throw pumpkins yeah. in the sea. And you're going, oh, do Cape Codders all throw all the pumpkins every year? Nope. That's just a Ryan Murphy thing. Um, I, um, uh, I do want to go to Salem this year. Uh, not too close to Halloween because they get pretty swamped. It gets especially wild. The weekends. You can't even park. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we could have talked about Salem in our uh, main conversation. We bring up place, Salem like every third episode. We do, but it is kind of a theme park in Salem. It's we could best. do a whole episode in Salem. Oh, yeah. Let me, let, let me move back there. Yeah. Kevin Kevin lived in Salem. And, For years. Uh, right in the middle of Salem. and The best it, part. It's great. It's great. Goodney KP says, Piggy piggybacking off that thought do you have a favorite time of the year autumn fall yeah autumn. absolutely Easy. autumn um good question nomral asks the image 
on this uh, Patreon, Patreon, I need some context. Kevin used a picture from Doug. <laughs> Roger Klotz. It's like Dr. Klotzenstein or yeah, something. Yeah. I'm going to make them zombies. Uh, that image reminded me of one random episode of Doug on VHS that I had growing up that occasionally haunts my dreams. What random video cassettes or other pieces of media did you have as kids that still haunt you today? Haunt me? Um, I had a lot of movies taped off of TV. We were definitely a household that had a VCR hooked up to the cable box in the house that had a black box that decrypted. Oh, yep. the black box. Also, oh, yeah. also from New Hampshire. Also from New Hampshire. <laughs> yep. The new, the Mexico of New England. Right. Would all of our dads go to New Hampshire and come back with like a black box? Probably. Definitely where my dad got his. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, did, is, there, is there statute of limitations on stealing cable? Uh, I think we've talked about that's it not what I'm worried about. But I just wonder, like, how is it all the same guy that how, sold how, the Murphys, the Cicerigas, and the Jameses? Yeah, but like, who 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 like hips you to that jive? Like, how do you find out? Like, there's a guy up in um, the divorced guy at work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I had a lot of movies taped off of TV. I had. A couple. I had a tape that I recorded every episode I could of uh, Swamp Thing, the cartoon. With, I remember that tape haunting me because uh, I once recorded an episode to that tape, and I messed up hitting the record button. I, I would stop recording every time I went to commercial, right? And I would start recording when the show started back up, which was I wish I didn't do at the time as a kid because the commercials would be funner to watch than the show nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I remember there's an episode of Swamp Thing I recorded hit stop at the commercial hit record hit stop at the commercial and i recorded everything but the final act so i got up to the cliffhanger where swamp thing was about to get killed by all the bad guys and i never had the ending and this is so for like 10 years i had no idea how swamp thing made it out of that one and it kind of bothered me and then once like broadband internet and rampant piracy was spreading on the internet i uh, was able to find that episode on youtube and i got to see how swamp thing got out of it oh he he didn't he died no he died that was it (laughs) Is that a story? I don't know. Sure. You guys have tapes. Look from- up, look up the Swamp Thing theme song on YouTube. It's just wild things. Swamp Thing. You are amazing. You fight everything. Nasty. Swamp Thing. Hey, the whole show's up on YouTube. Legally now. Swamp yeah. thing. You are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even, that's barely a stretch. Okay. That's, right. I, and how about you? Right, yeah. Well, my brother, Sean and I, I, I was actually going through VHS tapes uh, a year or so ago. No, two years ago, because I got one of the, uh, the little RCA yellow, white, red adapters for a device to rip old VHS tapes onto an SD card, which proved to be some, uh, Number one, I found some old home movies and things, which things, videos that my mom and dad had had not seen in decades and decades. So when I was uh, during the again, during the darkest days of COVID, for a Mother's Day gift or a birthday gift, just sharing a Google Photos album or a Google Drive of things that like you're never gonna dust off the old VCR. Honestly, if you put this in a VCR right now, it'll probably eat the damn tape. Giving them in a format that they can actually watch on their laptop, iPad. Those were great gifts. But the point being, while going through old VHS tapes from the Murphy Homes closet and basement, well, a lot of Ninja Turtles, a lot of Ninja Turtles, uh, you know, classic 80s turtles, but this weird, and a lot of Sesame Street, a lot of Fraggles, a lot of fun stuff, mm. was this weird Canadian animated program that maybe you guys remember called The Raccoons. <laughs> yeah. And I knew very few people who saw this thing about 
a group of raccoons who are one all... of them has like a red letterman jacket it's kind of embarrassing character design because they all look kind of, like you're right like that one wears a hat otherwise they are the exact same character design and every week these weird pink disgusting creatures like bother them yes um, yeah but an, a fun VHS story that I'll give you, and t- stop me if you've heard this one before. My brother's uh, very good friend, best friend, uh, a man, I'll name drop him, Rich Laporte. Many moons ago, when I say bleh, sixth, seventh grade-ish for us, um, Rich Laporte received, unsolicited I believe, a VHS tape in the mail explaining to him, Hey kid, within the next like six months or so, there's this phenomena coming to America, and they're called... Pokemon. And it was a promo video. It was like, yeah, a, th- a VHS tape that was uh, not to sound Tony Soprano, but uh, it feels a little light. It was like, you know, the si- clearly a VHS size tape, but it was like less than 30 minutes, I believe, on it of like, my name's Ash Ketchum and you're going to buy the show. And they're like, my name's Brock. We and know that you're a tastemaker. Rich Laporte. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and it was little, yeah, it was like, vo- like the poke rap and stuff. And it was literally just teaching children, you are going to consume this content. You oh, are going to right buy our product. Were. You might have heard this cartoon gives people seizures. Don't worry, we're fixing that. We, f- we might. We are going to fix. <laughs> You're yeah. right at the time. That was the show that did that. It did. Uh, uh, apparently, I read an article about this. That was, I mean, some people did have seizures from it. Then there was a news report on that. And then they showed it again. Kids went and watched it and kind of had psychosomatic seizures. So yes. a lot, like uh, like the bulk of hospitalizations were people like convincing themselves and having like panic. Back when it was called stuff. Pocket Monsters before this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. A, again, I did a current event on that in fifth grade. Yeah. By um, the way, not Porygon. It was Pikachu. Pikachu caused the lights. Pikachu caused the lights. Check it, it was, out. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh. I learned something Oregon was innocent. Yeah. All right. Next. Uh, oh, uh, my, my tape. Uh, I guess the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Uh, <laughs> Big Rock Candy Mountains. There was this company called We Sing. W E E Sing, and they put out like cassette tapes of like folk songs and like children's songs, and they also did uh, like an hour long special uh, with like characters and mascot costumes and stuff like that. You just got to look look this stuff up um big rock candy mountain i think was the most weird uh proto furry uh <laughs> colorful crazy tape we uh me and emmy used to watch it a lot and kind of laugh at it like make fun of it like like we were the right age and we liked it but we also knew that like this is corny and silly and fun to make fun of so that was um the tape that for my parents was cursed because we just watched it so much. And if I bring it up around my parents now, they like scoff. <laughs> Next question. Frank Zippy or Frank Zippy looks like a Frank Zappa misspelling years after graduation. I'm still trying to figure this out. How do you stay motivated on fun, personal projects, especially video production after finishing a busy day at work? This, I think Kevin, you can answer because you have, Endless, uh, endless video editing tasks at work, and then you have to come home and edit our crap. <laughs> I, for the longest time, I used to work menial labor jobs that I would disassociate from what I was physically doing by mentally escaping, like the end of Brazil, into creative fantasy. I would think of, oh, when I get home today, I'm gonna go work on this or that. I'm gonna write this, or Ryan and I are gonna go for a walk and talk about this new stupid idea of mine. Um, these days, it's more just um, it on, on a personal level. You know, I 
if it isn't obvious, like I have attention deficit issues and I'm able to channel that with the power of caffeine into creative projects. Like I, I, I can sit down and when I'm editing video, I can kind of think about three or four things at once and it's beneficial. It's like a way to like control it and hone it in. But as far as just like the mental game of wanting to always naturally wanting to make stuff, I don't know if I can bottle it as much as it's just become this habitual poker night level hobby of mine. I just love doing it with you guys in particular. And I also just have this itch I like to scratch where I like to be helpful to other people. So I've always had friends in bands and other creatively minded folks in my circle who would be like, Hey, uh, I need a music video made. Can you help me out? I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll do that. Or yeah, hey, I, I, think need, that- I need a commercial for this. Can you help me out? It always, yeah. it always put me in a position where I wanted, it afforded me the ability to try something new. I think that's making it a social thing and involving other people, I think really does make it uh, less of a job for sure. When I talk to friends of mine who can't be as creative as they used to, I had a conversation with a close friend of mine two days ago about this. And he said over drinks that um, getting to be creative with your friends and making something is one of the best experiences he's had in his life. And he's, he's about 40 years old now. And he said, that was that seriously like my best memories are doing that. Like when I was in a band or in college and doing group projects and I'm envious you get to keep doing that. So I, I, I think it is, I don't know if someone's having a hard time, if that seems to be where this question's coming from, like, Hey, I'm having mm-hmm. a hard time, like maintaining that. Um, try to find, I, I, I've, I noticed this about myself and I think it spread to all of us. I noticed this about 10 years ago that having a new tool, a new technical thing you're trying, a new, something that makes the creative process an experiment where you get to discover something new or achieve something new that you've never done before Mm -hmm. has always made it sexier to me. Like, hey guys, I'm going to buy this new camera lens and therefore we can do this now. Or I'm going to buy this new light and it's going to make us able to make something look like that now. Like, or there's a new plugin for After Effects we should try out. Let's, hey, let's try shrinking Ryan in this video. (laughs) Hey, let's try a flying car with drone footage Ryan shoots. And, you know, I can do all the composition work, you know, uh, the pre-comps or whatever. And then Neil can do these, you know, they're, that's what I would, that, that would be my advice to this person is try to find something new groundbreaking or experimental you can do with a project. So maybe make it more about proving to yourself. You can pull a certain thing off technically if that, if that helps, cause that's helped me out a lot. Yeah, totally. Keep, keep yeah. me hungry. Yeah. That's actually very insightful into the kind of projects we choose. I think. Yes. Um, specifically, uh, we try not to repeat ourselves. We do, but I mean, we do, but like in cer- not in certain way in, in, in technically technical ways. I don't think we do. I think we do try to achieve new types of cinematic tricks. Yeah. yeah. Anything to add to that, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, first of all, easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, uh, a few points. First of all, the guy's asking a really good question. What was his name again? Frank Zippy. Thank you, Frank. Frank Sophia Zippy. Coppola. <laughs> it's much easier for me to say, don't scratch your poison ivy. It'll make it worse. You can't scratch it. I can say that to the person with poison ivy, but they actually feel the itch. They're the ones in suffering, which when my, if my answer to him would be, if you find that your job is an energy vampire, if you find that your job is taking away so much of your time that your off time is simply recovering from that, again, easier for me to say it than for you to do it or live it, prioritize getting a better job that is a that is coming from a position of a person who really enjoys their job 
and has the time and energy to do what they want to do as a as a civilian, if you will. It's very pompous to say, your job sucks, get a better one. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying prior, if your job, if what you have to do to get put food in the fridge, pay the bills, is like making it so that you just don't have the energy and time to do what keeps you human. Yeah, it's super arrogant to say, find a new job. I'm saying prioritize it, start the process. Finding a job is a full-time job. If yeah. what you're, because it sounds like what this guy's telling, saying is like, I just, I can't do what I'm doing either, because if it, either it's his job or his family, and uh, if it's your family, you should enjoy what you're doing. Really, you should, or we got a bigger problem with the <laughs> that requires some billable hours from a professional. But if what you're doing, if if what you're doing to get by is making it so that your own time isn't worth it, it I, then I'm very sorry. And it's very hard. It's it, nothing will fix this but labor. Um, but put in the labor into finding a job where you, uh, where either you, your job is getting to do what you love, or that gives you affords you the time and attention to do what you really should be doing. There, there's like a, it's almost like dangerous to approach this subject. Cause, but I think there really is like a donut hole or like a gulf between, like I would say, menial labor jobs like working in warehouses, being a mail carrier, stuff stuff where you can kind of tap into your lizard brain, right? Yeah, sure. Even even types of cooking, like like I'm not saying these are like thankless, like skillless labor or something. I'm saying things where you can you kind of build a rhythm and you can do it and mentally disassociate and put your brain somewhere else. They're right? not big problem solving all the time like, like, jobs. Yeah. Like even like a car mechanic could do this. You can go on autopilot. Like, yeah, you yeah, that's a good yeah. yeah. Like a job like a pilot, go, yeah. literally uh those there's there's those type of jobs where i think those actually can help fuel creativity because your mind gets hungry to do something where it's more frontal frontal lobe applicable and that's why you get hungry to be creative like i know that about myself and then there's this valley where on the other side of it you are working a job where you are creatively fulfilling yourself like say, say that could be an educator that could be someone who works in like maybe marketing or as a, or a professional photographer or a filmmaker things work. you might not necessarily consider creative jobs can yeah. still stimulate that part of your brain that is like or problem that, solving or lateral does thing. That. yeah but there is kind of a valley in between those two where there are a lot of like office jobs and things like that that are the energy vampire things ryan's talking about mm-hmm. where yeah i've i've been in that situation where it's like man how how am I not able to make the inertia, the momentum I need to go finish a project? We always finish our stuff though. Like there's, there's been a few projects where there's an over ambition and we bite off too damn much and it takes much longer than we expect. And that can be depressing in its own special way. Like um, shitty, shitty bang, bang with some of the effects and that they seem so modest at the time. They still do. Um, or like uh beyond believability factor fiction it was like making eight damn movies in one mm-hmm. we should have known that was still worth it that, that's like one of our proudest achievements i think <laughs> um but I, I hope we've helped this person out sizing too. up some solutions yeah I'll, I'll just say that uh the kind of personal projects that you do can also make a huge difference right if i mean if you're doing something that you know doesn't ultimately matter or or where if you don't finish it that's nothing like, you know, like I have tons of songs and side projects and stuff that I, I don't really have any expectation or, uh, I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't finish them because it's so normal for me to, to get part way through something and then just leave it be. That's just part of my process. And that's, uh, how bigger complete projects have 
developed out of that. I think a lot of musicians in particular have that philosophy. Yeah, I think I think a lot so. of unfinished albums get released by our favorite bands and musicians decades removed. Like, oh, here's like 20 songs I wrote but never really finished. Yeah, because you know you can always go back and take something that you that you liked and reuse it, recycle it, steal, right, from, right, right. steal from yourself. Um, if you're just trying to draw or write every day as a means of staying in practice, that is almost like working out. It's like uh, mo- it, it, that's a the word motivation or motivated in this question makes me think like maybe it is just kind of a being creative for the sake of staying creative, which I understand is like is is very tough. And if you are working and your creativity resembles work in a certain way, then that is really tough. Like, like that's that's where I think you have to you have to develop um, problems for yourself to solve. You have to devise creative projects that are themselves a puzzle. I I know a lot of people who, a lot I, of people, my coworkers when I worked in television or in film, a lot of them uh, would be in bands. They would be musicians on the side, not to make money, but to have something creative that was a that access to completely different part of their lives, their social circles, their skill set. Um, so they wouldn't atrophy the enjoyment of being creative by having to operate cameras all day on projects. Maybe they didn't really care about um, because after so many years, they, you know, the fulfillment of using the camera wouldn't be as exciting uh, for me. That became still photography. I, I got really into photography about 10 years ago um, and I do it more than I make films now in my spare time because I'm working with, in the realm of film and video production and producing for my nine to five, you know, my salary day job. Um, and yeah, getting to go out in the wild. I mean, Ryan and I have done this where we go out with our cameras in the woods and just take pictures of birds and crap. Snakes, 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 <laughs> we see uh, snakes. Yeah. Or, or uh, seals and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's, that's been like a good way to, um, you know, work out, so to speak to Neil's point. I think we've got, had this question before. Uh, Martin asks, if you had an unlimited budget for a video project, what kind of production would you create? Um, what springs to mind? I mean, I always said I wanted to build a studio and it's like getting there here, yeah, but it's yeah. still not like a huge studio at my house. We're but talking it's unlimited. Unlimited money. So it's like pie in the sky. Anthology horror movie. Oh, mm. yeah, Kevin beat me to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Oh, not anthology. I would say creature feature oh, where okay. the creature actually is good. I, I, I think I would love to... Uh, even with an unlimited budget, I would want to make kind of a limited budget project, sure. just like a crappy movie um, or just something that we, I like, if, especially if I was working with you, Kevin, I think I'd have to fight you to like make it look not as good. But I think it would be fun to do something that is uh, easy to make <laughs> and just kind of relies on actor charisma and stuff. I, I Paying act finding and paying good actors is probably would be like a major achievement for us. We've done it before. Yeah. But never on a, we've on locked a, out that we've known some very talented sure, people. Too. Sure. But we Big always, up. we always resort to just like, just cast ourselves, cast our friends. Neil, um, you can play Freddy Krueger. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think with budget, I would focus on getting it into the pockets of uh, people who could be on camera for us that we would trust. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think the reason I, I think of uh, anthologies Mm-hmm. Right, because I thought about this yet the other day when I was mowing my lawn, was um I love collaborating and I love being able to um work in service of amplifying someone else's vision. You know, I have my own ideas. I write. You know, I do, I've directed a feature film, uh, but 
I love the idea of not just collaborating, but like someone else telling me what they want to do and facilitating it. Like, oh, this is what you're thinking. Okay, here, let me show you how to use the tool. It's almost like mm-hmm. being a teacher. Like, hey, let me show you how to like, oh, you want to put the camera here. You want to use slow motion, which means the shutter's got to be like this and that. And I feel like um, anthology films would be, a, an anthology film would be a platform to do so much of that. Like I could direct like one segment and then like help other people make their segments. Oh, yeah, yeah. What about you, Ryan? Like I said, creature feature. Yeah. Yeah, a, a, a cool horror movie. Um, right. Top of your head, what what's the creature? Shark. Um, Wait, fuck. <laughs> I was trying Dinosaur, to fuck. Uh, alien, fuck. Wendigo. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah that's appropriation. <laughs> is that, is it that, is. What's the Irish equivalent? A banshee? A leprechaun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ban- <laughs> there have been no leprechaun movies. Oh. <laughs> There's no banshees in this movie. I think banshees it's have it a share in it all. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. true not to spoil that actually really well done movie <laughs> um yeah i think about did you guys ever see did you just call a leprechaun a well done no, no the banshees have been a sheriff oh, oh okay. <laughs> no, no, no. sorry sorry <laughs> um that icelandic movie which is called lamb hmm. that actually might be the highest grossing icelandic A2- movie ever yeah yeah wow. another a24 release yep cool i feel like your whole thing <laughs> lays on creature feature and they they killed it. They hit it out of the park. It's awesome. And, and never get sick of looking at it. My great friend Anthony Gian uh, said this about A twenty four once, and it always makes me laugh. And he goes, "I like A twenty four. You know, they're always they pretty much release movies I almost exclusively like. I, I'm rarely disappointed, but I have a resentment for A twenty four because it feels like culture just said, "Here you go, millennial. Here's your dog bowl. Eat out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what you're supposed to watch." <laughs> Oh, you don't want to watch the next Marvel movie? You don't want to watch the new Star Wars show? Here, here's your bowl. Eat out of that trough. <laughs> oh, you'll get your movies, but they're all going to be made by one company. And if it goes under, then you're fucked. You better see Megan. <laughs> I like Megan, Megan. Okay. But yeah. All right. Um, all right. Two questions. <laughs> okay. Two quick questions left here. I'll ask. There's one for me. Satan's nipple. Neil. <laughs> Do you know Neil Gaiman personally? I know I know that's random, but I have my suspicions. Not personally, but I did go to a book signing once for him and uh, had him sign. I had a copy of a Nancy Boys that he signed. And at the time, my Twitter handle was Neil himself or Neil yourself. Neil Gaiman's was Neil himself. I think I've told this story before. Uh, when I chose my Twitter handle, like Neil Gaiman was like one of the only famous guys on Twitter. So I made my mine a parody of his username. And now it's X. <laughs> Fucking idiot. X. Um, so I said, hey, Neil, Neil himself. I'm Neil yourself on Twitter. And Neil Gaiman recognized my name and said, oh, that, oh that's you. I've seen that before. So <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Good question. That's cute. Final question. Final question. Princess Caramel says, if you guys were 90s rappers, what would your respective stage names be? Ryan. DJ Squirrelface. Kevin. I can't do this that quick. How did you have DJ Squirrel Face yeah. ready to go? It's a character I've used for like, my name is DJ Squirrel Face. That's my legally binding name. I have bad parents. So. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of use before. It's really good. I'm sorry. I think my stage name would be MC Scat Cat 2. Wow. <laughs> that lands. <laughs> and I, mm, I don't know what I, I guess... I'd be MC Patches, and my rap group would be Canopy Lake Park. Canopy Lake Park, yo. Bringing it all the way back to the beginning. Hey, this show's been going on too long. Let's end it. Yeah, I thought this would be a short one. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.